Hey, I just wanted to uh, begin by reminding you that these videos on the book of Acts are meant to supplement your own study. Uh, we're going through some large passages and not able to cover everything in the 15 or 20 minutes uh, that we have teaching here. Um, so I'd encourage you to study the text on your own and dig in deeper to those places where maybe we aren't going into. Um, if you have questions, you can always uh, message us on Instagram or email and we'll try to get back or maybe we'll do some other videos uh, throughout the week as well. So today we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 1. And let me ask you this question. Have you ever had a moment in your life when you've asked, why is this happening? I'm sure you have. I'm sure all of us have. Whether it was for something that was good that came our way. Um, often when something bad or, or really hard comes into our life, um, or if there's a season, we ask that question, why is this happening? And Luke begins with that why right off the bat. And before we get into that, there's a story at the end of Luke's gospel where two disciples are walking to Emmaus. And this is after Jesus has just been crucified He's resurrected. They're not uh, clued into all that's happening. And so they're walking along and they're basically asking that question. Like, why is this happening? And as they're walking along, Jesus comes beside them. And he starts talking and he's asking them, hey, what are you, um, what are you talking about? What are you discouraged about? And uh, they explain like, man, have you not been here at all in Jerusalem? And have you not seen what's happened? This person, Jesus, who we thought was going to be the Messiah, who was going to be our Savior, who would usher in the kingdom, he is dead. They just crucified him and all our hopes are dashed. And we're not sure why this is happening. And then it says that Jesus began to explain to them from the Old Testament, from Moses, from the prophets, and he shows them through that process that all of those things all the things that the Old Testament was doing, all the things that God was um, putting in place over time and throughout history, through people's lives, were all pointing to Jesus as their Savior. And then there's this amazing moment where they, um, their eyes are opened and they can see that it's Jesus and he's gone. But for this brief moment, they begin to understand that everything has been pointing to Jesus even though the story looks bad, even though there's um, death in the air, they are, their eyes are opened again that, that Jesus is what everything is pointing to. And as we come to Acts here, looking at the first five verses um, to start with, we see that it's still all about Jesus. Luke is, is doing a transition here. He's done his first letter, which is the Gospel of Luke. Now he's transitioning into Acts and he's, he wants us to get crystal clear in our mind that all the rest of the, the account, the story that he's going to put down for us is all hinged on Jesus. It is all with this in view that Jesus is the center of everything. All the, the accounts will point to Jesus Christ. And let me begin by reading these first three verses. It says this, in the first book, that's Luke's Gospel, o, o Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up 
after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So Luke says right from the, be the beginning, this account is a continuation of the work that Jesus has done. And if you know the Gospels, uh, many of us are familiar with them. Maybe some, some of you aren't. Um, we, we know that throughout Jesus's ministry, he called people to follow him. So think of Peter. Peter was a fisherman. And when Jesus goes to him, he says, Peter, follow me. Or Matthew, the tax collector. He's, he's literally there at the gates collecting taxes. And Jesus says, follow me. Everything in the scriptures is pointing to Jesus as the central person when we want to know God and see him. And in Jesus' ministry, his calling was to follow him. And so even before we get into kind of the details of the narrative here, this is a great place for us to reflect, hey, what's, how is my calling any clearer today in terms of following Jesus? If he is the center of everything and I'm called to be a follower of Jesus Christ, how am I doing in that area? And, and I don't know about you, but in this um, COVID-19, this global pandemic, all of us are in similar situations. We have lots of time at home. Um, we have work that is different, might be uh, Zoom calls, or maybe, you're, um, have, maybe you have less work. And um, this is an opportunity for all of us to begin to ask ourselves, okay, God, what, what do you want me to be thinking about in terms of being a follower of Jesus Christ? Why have we been allowed to go through this time, these weeks of being socially isolated from others? Nothing is wasted on God. Every, everything is an opportunity for God, the good things in life and the hard things in life. So, are you using this time even now to um, search in your heart or search in the scriptures or listen to the Holy Spirit or be silent before God? You know, there are generations before us that went through the Great Depression. There's, you know, the, the great generation that went through World War II. We will be the generation that lived through COVID-19. Maybe we didn't want that. None of us certainly were thinking a lot about that, but we will be the ones who will have that title. And as we look back on the years, what will we be able to say we did during that time? I hope that we actually seize this opportunity to say, hey God, I want to follow you. Everything points to you. The work that I do, the family that I'm a part of, the place where I'm living, everything should be pointing to you, Jesus. And so help me now in this season to know that more deeply and to learn what it means to truly follow you. Because that's where Acts has taken us as well. Acts is saying right from the beginning, the story is going to change. There's going to be a lot that's happening. But Luke says, Jesus is the central figure. And, and not only the idea of Jesus, but this, that Jesus is alive. 
There's a uh, there's a great song uh, by Andrew Peterson called His Heart Beats. And in this song, Andrew Peterson um, really poetically um, reminds us, gets us thinking about the resurrection. The song is all about the resurrection has happened and here's the process actually that it's happened. And, and let me read a couple of verses to you. It says this, his heart beats, his blood begins to flow, waking up what was dead a moment ago and his heart beats. Now everything is changed because the blood that brought us peace with God is racing through his veins and his heart beats. He breathes in, his living lungs expand. The heavy air surrounding death turns to breath again. He breathes out. He is word and flesh once more. The Lamb of God slain for us is a lion ready to roar and his heart beats. Here, Luke wants us really clearly to see that. You can see in verse 3, it says this, that he presented himself alive, alive to them. After suffering with many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So this wasn't just like a, uh, a random past. This wasn't like a ghost experience, like one person saw some sort of ghostly image. This wasn't like the Loch Ness monster. There's like one grainy photo of Jesus. No, this is Jesus alive with them for 40 days, over a month. And we know here at least that there's a group of 120 of them that have experienced Jesus alive, eating meals with him, sitting down and listening to him teaching, sleeping in the same building possibly as he is in. They are seeing this Jesus who is risen and alive. It's not some myth. It's not some um, brief view of someone. It is a clear account by a lot of people that Jesus is risen from the dead. But then what happens? The story takes a turn like really fast. So we're only five verses in. Then in verse six, we see from six to the end of verse 11, that this is where Jesus ascends to heaven. You know, in just a few days, uh, we'll be uh, thinking about on the church calendar, Ascension Sunday. And this is 40 days after the Easter weekend where Jesus is ascended to heaven. And this is what we're reading about here. Um, starting in verse 6. And in this section, we see there's the, the great exchange that happens. So Jesus is going to go back to the Father and the Holy Spirit's going to come. And this has always been confusing for the disciples. Even here now, they, they ask in verse 6, they say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Like, is this the time? Christ, where you're going to come and establish your kingdom, you're going to rule, you're going to kick the Romans out, and maybe we'll lead with you. It's going to be an amazing time. And Jesus says, listen, those details, those aren't for you to know. Only the Father knows those things. But what's happening now is the great exchange where Jesus is going to go up to the Father to be in God's presence, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit is going to come down and be with them. And the new normal is going to take place where Jesus is gone. His physical body won't be there anymore to lead them. But the Holy Spirit will indwell them and will lead them and will guide them. In John chapter 14, we see that Jesus warned them about this or he, he prophesied about this. He told them that this was going to come. So in John chapter 14, verse 25, it says this. 
These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. A little sip of tea there. Jesus is saying, hey, don't be afraid of this exchange. He, he knew there were going to be. He knew there would probably be some confusion. He knew there would be some hesitation. And he says, don't be afraid. I'm going back to God the Father, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will guide you, will give you direction. And then here we see in verse 9, it says, back in Acts, sorry, in, in Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 9, it says, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. He's gone. I mean, there they are now, standing or sitting, and they see him disappear. And I'm sure some of them were thinking, okay, he's going to come back. He's going to appear in some way. Maybe when we go back to Jerusalem, he's going to be there waiting for us. Boo, here I am. And he's gone. And the waiting begins. And the angels tell them, hey, this Christ who you have been with, he is gone to be with the Father, but he's going to come back someday. There's going to be, there's this promise that he is going to come back. But in this meantime, the great exchange has happened. And here's their opportunity to enter into something new. This may be viewed as a disruption. We talked about that last week about the disruption of the Holy Spirit, how they are now in this new normal. And Martin Lloyd-Jones has this, this great little quote. He says, renewal happens when you get to the end of yourself. Renewal happens when you get to the end of yourself. And this was a moment where the disciples were beginning to get to the end of themselves. They had always had Jesus with them. If the crowd was hungry, he would provide. If the storm was raging around them, he would calm things. If they needed some help, he was there. And now he's gone. And in this moment of crisis or disruption, they begin to lean on the things that Christ had taught them. And this takes us to the last section, which is verses 12, right to the end of the chapter, verse 26. And in this large section, we're not going to cover all the details. You can do that in your own study. But we see that the transition happens where Jesus, who has been their authority, Jesus has been their leader. He's gone now. And so now they are beginning to see, okay, people, God's people will lead this movement forward, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so they are going to choose who's going to be the 12th disciple. So Judas, who had betrayed Christ, is dead at this point. And now they're saying, okay, Lord, um, who's going to be the 12th disciple to give leadership to this new movement that's going to be a spirit-led movement of God's people? And what we see is two characteristics really early of the local church that are good for us to, to kind of take note. And they're both found in verse 14. The first one, let me just read verse 14. It says this. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So there's two things in that verse that we see. The first is this, that they devoted themselves to prayer. 
So they had seen this in the life of Jesus, that that he had continually gone to the Father in prayer. And now as they come to this really big decision of who's going to be the 12th disciple, who's going to give leadership to this new church movement, they say, we must go to God in prayer. So in verse 14, it says that they prayed. And then near the end here as well, um, at the end of the chapter, verse 24, it says, And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen. So by this point, they're they're coming down to uh, two of them. They're coming down to Joseph. You can see this in verse 23. And they're coming to Matthias. So Joseph and Matthias, both these men had all the qualifications. They had been disciples. They had seen Jesus resurrected. And now the believers are coming together and they're saying, God, would you guide us? God, would you give us direction? Would you clarify which one we're supposed to be choosing? And so they prayed together. And we'll see this theme of prayer throughout the book of Acts. That as they got into hard times, as they needed direction, as they needed wisdom, they would go to God in prayer, following the example of Jesus Christ. The second thing that we see is also in verse 14, and it's this, that all of these with one accord. They were of one accord. Now, we don't say that phrase much anymore, you know, of one accord, but basically they were unified. They had a common vision that they had had from Christ, from his earthly ministry, but then also from the 40 days, kind of this post-resurrection teaching, and they were unified of one accord. And it wasn't just the, the 11 disciples and the two potential candidates. We see here that it was the women that were with them. So we know that there were women that were disciples with Jesus. They were following that group around for years and they supported the ministry of Jesus. May have also been uh, some of the disciples' wives may have been there. Doesn't really give us a lot of details. But we also see that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. And then Jesus' brothers. So in the Gospels, we see early on in Jesus' ministry, his brothers don't even believe that what he's doing is right. They're questioning him. Now at this point, they're believers, man. They're a part of this. And so all these people, these 120 people, as it says here in verse 15, there was a group of 120 of them. The thing that marked them where they were of one accord. They were unified. So they prayed together and they were unified. They were of one mind and mission. And that is what God used to give them clarity as they chose the next person that would give leadership to this church movement. And at the end of the chapter, we see verse 26, that they cast lots for them and the lot fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So Matthias is the one that they end up choosing And by the end of this chapter, we see that the focus of Jesus is preeminent. The ministry of the Spirit is anticipated. And now the clarity of the leadership of this new movement of the church has been brought together to these 12 men and the other 160-some that are also part of it. And the group is going to grow as the Spirit works through them. I hope that this week you'll get an opportunity to dig into Acts chapter 1 and even look at some of the questions that we're including uh, on our website and that you'll grow closer to Jesus Christ 
through your study and as the Holy Spirit reveals him to you.